Hello and welcome to Elevate to Success, discussions on project management and leadership ideas, tips and techniques of being a project manager, agile practitioner, or a leader in your organization. Each week, I will have something new for you. I'll have discussions with guests on a number of topics that you can use immediately or stuff that's keeping you up at night. So let's go. Okay. Hey, welcome back, Alan. Hope you had a wonderful holiday. Glad to have you on another podcast again. Yeah, you know, thanks for having me back, Lloyd. It uh, had a great uh, holiday season. Fantastic, yeah. You know, for, for those listening for the first time with us, uh, let me do a quick intro. Alan Ward is, is a SAFE certified Agile uh, transformation coach. Through his company, Alatis Consulting, LLC, he currently teaches SAFE certified courses, including Leading SAFE, SAFE for Teams, Scrum Master, Advanced Scrum Master, Product Owner, Product Manager, DevOps, uh, DevOps practitioner, release train engineer, and value stream mapping and lean portfolio. So this is just only a few of what Alan does, but I just wanted to keep it short here, Alan. I'm happy we had a chance to connect again this year and decided to talk about this subject. Expect and Adapt is a significant event that's held at the end of each program implement. And, you know, not too many teams religiously perform this, this event. That's true. That's absolutely true. It's you, you think it's ah oh, we don't need this we don't need this it's a you know I've I've come I've been involved in some transformations which which before I got involved were skipping it and I said wait 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 we have a problem here <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true hey so can you give probably a quick summary of what inspect and adapt is yeah sure so it's uh it's three activities that occur in the inspect and adapt the inspect and adapt is three to four hour event. And it's held at the very end of the program increment, typically, ideally, on the very last day. And so it, uh, we're going to do the PI system demo where uh, it's run by the product manager uh, and or the release train engineer. And we're going to show working software in the integrated system to demonstrate advances on the solution. And then it, the second part is qualitative and quantitative measurements. We're going to show the outcome of the PI objectives by team and roll those numbers up by Agile Release Train. And then we're going to show some quantitative metrics, such as, you know, number of features started, number of features finished, uh, percent unit test automation, things like that. I can go over more in details. But uh, so uh, those are the quantitative metrics. And then lastly, mm -hmm. the problem-solving workshop, which is really, um, I call it a retro on steroids, but we're, uh, it, it uh, <laughs> fulfills the, the retrospective aspect of that Agile release train. I know there's a lot of stuff that happens at the end of PI, and there's a lot of things happening before PI planning. Why would a team go through this type of rigorous uh, you know, event versus just a regular, say, just a retro? Well, so the teams have to get together as a group, you know, as a release train, a team of teams to actually demonstrate how the fully integrated environment is working. And so if they're doing safe uh, properly, they're still going to do a system demo every iteration. But um, this is your opportunity to bring the highest level stakeholders together who wouldn't otherwise be coming, you know, the, the VPs, the C-level people, they're going to come. Mm -hmm. it, uh, uh, and so they want to see uh, a demonstration of the, of the working system. 
And so this is your real opportunity to show and tell what you've gotten done for the last program increment, which might be you know, typically eight to 12 weeks. It, so in a, PI, in a PI event, at the end of PI planning, you'll have an inspect and adapt for all the teams. But then you also have an inspect and adapt while after PI planning and you're, you're in your uh, iterations, say your two-week iterations, that you continue that inspect and adapt but on a smaller version. Right. Yeah, well, at the, at the team level, you're doing um, what we call just a team retrospective. And so that's uh, classically, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, and what can we improve. There's, a, you know, dozens of other ways to do it. You can, you can study up, but there's some real classic uh, fun ways to do it. But, uh, but that's the normal way. But, but with the problem-solving workshop, it, it goes into uh, quite a bit more detail where we actually agree on a problem to solve and that's a step right there. And then the next step is to do the uh, a five Y root cause analysis. And so I could describe what that is if you want a little bit later, but, uh, but then we absolutely we take all those. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you an example. So, so it, it actually came from Toyota in their um, um, development of lean, but uh, a, a common, an example of five whys is we have to ask the question why something is happening up to five times to understand the root cause. And so the example I pulled up is, uh, you know, why did the robot stop? Well, the circuit was overloaded, uh, causing a fuse to blow. Okay, why was the circuit overloaded? There was insufficient lubrication on the bearings, so they locked up. Okay, why was there insufficient lubrication on the bearings? Well, the oil pump on the robot is not circulating sufficient oil. Why is the pump not circulating oil? Uh, well, the pump is clogged with metal. Why is the pump clogged with metal? Uh, because there's no filter on the pump. So that's our root cause. And so it's, it's quite often not uh, superficially evident what the root cause is. And so you have to ask that question, they, they say, up to five times. No, that's true, and it does it does help. I've I've seen that in action, and I mean, even though you you don't even go five times, it can go really deeper to get that root cause, and then it it just helps. I guess it helps everybody kind of determine. Okay, oh, this 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 was originally the problem. Oh, so I, I totally agree. You know, I remember years ago uh, when the, when the Challenger blew up. You know, nobody. Nobody would have ever guessed what the real root cause was, you know, a year and a half later after the investigation. So it, uh, uh, you have to really dig deep to find out what the root cause of something is. And if you don't dig deep to get to that root cause, you're, you're not going to fix the problem. But uh, right. anyway, so you identify all those potential causes, and then the people involved in the problem-solving workshop uh, vote on it. They get uh, typically like uh, uh, five votes, and they'll – so you, you, you put all those causes on a, uh, on a post-it note, put them on the wall, and then everybody gets a, a number of votes, and you can vote everything on one or spread them out any, however you want. And then the Pareto analysis says that uh, um, the most likely root cause is the one that got the most votes. And so then we take that and we reword it as a problem and then we brainstorm on solutions, and then we put those, we vote on the solutions, and then we take the top three solutions and put them into the backlog. And so, you know, that's quite a bit more in-depth than a regular retrospective, but um, I actually really enjoy doing it. And I tell teams, 
if they want to do this in a regular retrospective, you can get it done in about an hour. So doesn't that affect by going through this problem, and doesn't that affect what was already planned if you're going to start injecting stuff into the backlog? Well, it, it could impact your, uh, your capacity, sure. But uh, uh, like as far as the train is concerned, you know, we're, we're going to come up with a solution and uh, put it into the backlog for the next PI. So it would go into the backlog and, and be prioritized. And so if it's going to take some capacity out of the system, sure, it would. It would have an effect. But, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, like if you're doing it at the team right. level, it might mm -hmm. be something like, uh, you know, I can think of an example of one where I came up with where, where the Scrum Master uh, tracked the, the percent done of a story and uh, the goal was to have half of the work done halfway through the iteration because I was, I was seeing a lot of uh, what we call the hockey stick where everything gets done at the end. Everybody's <laughs> scrambling to get things done. Like, uh, you know, your class project is due when you're in high school. And so uh, we, mm -hmm. we don't want to see that. We want to see things incrementally done. So, so I set a goal of, you know, halfway through, let's have half the work done. And so it, uh, we did that. And so it, uh, that didn't take any more capacity to get that done. It, it was really just uh, the Scrum Master, who was me at the time, um, you know, staying on top of the team and communicating our goal. So basically what you're saying is the team should look at the, the higher priority, the bigger picture, the value, what's the highest value, and not so worried about it's great to have everything done in PI planning so you got a good, a better picture. But like you said, when you're going through this problem-solving workshop and you find out there's more issues or more things that needs to happen that needs to be injected, and if it adds value to you know, the bigger picture, then by all means, go for it, right? Yes, absolutely. And that, that ties back to several uh, concepts and principles. And so, you know, safe principle number two is uh, um, always take a systems approach. We don't want to locally optimize something. We need to look at the bigger picture and optimize for the system. So if it means taking a little bit of capacity out of the train to, uh, you know, build quality in, for example, you know, spend a little more time uh, uh, developing automated testing, as an example, uh, it will pay off in the long run because they say identifying a defect in an early environment is 10 times more cost effective as identifying that defect in production, which is our, you know, worst case. And so then it also ties to uh, agile principle number seven, which is Working software is primary measure of success. You know, in the, in, the, in the PI system demo, if it's not working software, it should not be demonstrated. When, uh, when I was doing a, um, a PI uh, system demo with a, a group of teams and it was their first opportunity and, and things weren't quite ready, and so they were demonstrating in a, with a PowerPoint, and the VP came up to me afterwards and said, oh, wasn't that fabulous? I was really impressed with what they're doing. And I said, yeah, but, you know, it wasn't really working software. And so if it were me and I wanted to be a hardball, I would say, stop right now what you're doing. This demonstration is over, and let's reconvene once you have a working system. So that's our primary success as a working system. And then, and then um, as of principle number 12, is at regular intervals, team reflects on how to become more effective, then tunes and adjusts behavior accordingly. So we have to 
as a team do that and even as a team of teams do that. And even the biggest organizations in the world will do that. You know, they have to step back and, and see how they can improve. Anti-pattern is uh, uh, kind of an agile term for something bad. So, so not showing, demonstrating uh, actual work is an anti-pattern and we want it in the highest level environment. We, you know, it depends on your software development lifecycle. You know, if you're uh, in, a, in, a, in a pretty good state, you're going to have a, de a dev environment, a test environment, um, mm -hmm. a stage environment, and then a production environment. And, and so we want to either be demonstrating in stage so that all of our work is integrated with everybody else's work or um, actually in production behind a feature flag so that it's in the exact production server. And, uh, and then, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit, we want to try and develop to a trunk so that uh, our work is uh, um, on the main branch as, uh, as frequently as possible. So let's jump over to the quantitative measurement piece, the metrics. Yeah, so, so how that works is uh, what I tell the teams at the iteration level by team to track um, some, some basic metrics like number of user stories planned, number of user stories accepted, percent unit test coverage, number of defects uh, throughout the iteration, open and closed, your percent of work that's been automated uh, through testing. And then every team, you can roll that up by the art, and then you can roll up all the iterations by the art, and then you actually track that from PI to PI and actually measure and drive uh, improvement. So, so that, uh, you know, hopefully, if things are going well, your percent of stories are getting are going up. Your percent of unit test coverage is going up. Things like that, and and so that's that's a very clear quantitative measure. Does that necessarily mean you're adding more business value? No, but it's it, it's telling uh, the business that you're being more efficient. The more important measurement is the qualitative measure, and that's actually measuring the uh, the PI objectives. And so at the end of the PI planning event, which is two days, the teams have to present their PI objectives by team. And so this is going to be a summary of what they intend to get done over that program increment. And they'll have a combination of committed objectives, and they used to be called stretch objectives, but, but now SAFE has kind of wised up from their feedback, and they just call them uncommitted objectives. Exact same thing. These are, this is work that is planned in the iterations. However, because it is the highest risk and the most unknowns, we're not going to commit to it. And so think of it like extra credit. It, uh, uh, if you do this one problem, you're going to get the extra points, but if you don't do it, it's not going to kill you. And so then... Um, the, the business owner, the highest level business owner at the event will give those, those objectives a business value, 1 through 10, so not a, a, not a, a Fibonacci number, not related to the points of the stories or anything, so, so not to confuse you. It's a different set of numbers. It's a 1 through 10, and then at the very end of PI, that same person will give it an actual number, and hypothetically, when those objectives were written, they're going to be smart objectives that are specific and measurable so that a quantitative number, like if you, uh, the, the business owner gave that an eight, they can come back and say, okay, so you get a nine because of, you know, a certain, certain rate of, of stuff got done. And so then you actually, you, you do a little division and, and you um, come up with a, a ratio 
And then that team will have a program predictability measure. And so if they got everything done, they'll be at 100. If they got less than that, then it'll be less. And so they can actually go over 100 because of those stretch objectives. And then those exact objectives can be rolled up to the art. So you can take a look at the program predictability measure for the art. And that is the really important number that executives like to look at. If I'm, a, if I'm an executive overseeing uh, some arts and, and I know that this particular art has a velocity of 500 points and there's a 90% chance that they're going to get all their work done based on this program predictability measure as an example. So, so we have qualitative and quantitative, and the quantitative are important. Don't, don't skip on them, but the qualitative are actually the more important because they're tied to the business value. Art is an agile release train, and so that's going to be your team of teams to get work done in a scaled agile framework environment. And, and then um, inside of that agile release train are going to be three people at the top controlling it basically and so it uh, we have the RTE which is the release train engineer also commonly described as the chief scrum master would have the uh, similar duties as a scrum master but but for the agile release train and then you have the uh, the product manager who oversees the uh, the content authority for the agile release train and then the system architect who represents for the uh, development teams and so those three People usually it's three people, dedicated people, and they uh, they represent the uh, leadership of that agile release train. So um, RTE role is is a pretty senior role. It's somebody who uh, has uh, you know political capability and also execution capability. Great, thanks for that information, Alan. I want I want to touch on a little of now we talked about the PI inspect and adapt. What about at the lower level on the when we're doing regular um, sprints? Um, do we do yeah, an expect so and adapt piece? No, not typically. You, 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 on a cadence, you're going to be doing the retrospective, the team level retrospective. But uh, it's not normal to go through because uh, uh, you know the inspect and adapt is is the demo. Uh, that's that's part one. I say okay, so every team should be doing iteration demo. And then the quantitative measurement metric, that's not called out as a ceremony. However, the Scrum Master should be tracking that, and that actually can be uh, shared with the team at the beginning of, of the retrospective. Uh, the retrospective can, can start with, you know, the quantitative metrics, and, uh, and then the second half could be, you know, you can call it problem solving, but it's a basic retro. So all three components mm -hmm. of the inspect and adapt would actually be occurring at the team level on a, on a cadence every iteration. Yeah, so actually, you know, where you asked, so, you know, are our teams doing inspect and adapt every iteration? Well, they don't call it uh -huh. inspect and adapt, but in essence, they're doing all these activities. You know, the, the system demo, that's your iteration demo. Um, quantitative measurement and problem solving workshop, that's going to be the retrospective, although the problem solving workshop is, is a little more in depth than the than the traditional, you know, what went well, what didn't go well of a retro. But you can do it. That's true. That's true. It's just a, on a smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that we wanna you wanna touch on for our listeners to to know about um, expecting the yeah? Adapt? No, that's a, a great great subject we talked about. And and so I would say if you're doing safe and you're not doing the inspect and adapt, that's an anti pattern. It uh, uh, and even if you're not doing safe, you're just a, a bunch of teams doing agile. You know, get together as a group, 
and 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 follow through on the ceremony. It uh, you know you you still might not be doing, doing safe, but you can you can demonstrate all your work together. You can you can track and measure your your quantitative measurements. You know, if you're not doing PI planning, you might not have your PI objectives, but but still track the quantitative part. And then the problem solving workshop, you know, you don't have to be safe. You don't have to be doing safe to do the problem solving workshop. You don't have to be doing agile to do a problem solving workshop. That's a that's a lean ceremony. So so all these things have mm-hmm. value, whether you're doing safe or not. Hey, Alan, this comes to the end of the episode. I'm hoping that you know uh, this helped a lot with our listeners today. Uh, I hope we can get together again and talk more about some other agile and safe uh, techniques. Yep, absolutely. You know me. I can talk forever about uh, agile and safe, and I love it. (laughs) Well, great. Thanks, Alan. This is Elevate to Success. Your host, Lloyd Phillip B. with Infinity Bold. For more information on how we can help you with your project management, coaching, as well as mentoring, You can go to my website at www.infinitybold.com and send me an email. Please share this podcast and also tell a friend about us. Until then, keep it real.